Well, one element of Lent and Easter that has not gotten a lot of attention, I'd say, in the past generation or so, is the relationship between Judaism and Christianity. And uh, in older forms of the liturgy, if you kind of go back before Vatican II and you look at some of the prayers that the priests had to pray in their breviary and some of the prayer texts that were used for Good Friday and, and other elements of, uh, during, uh, of the liturgy during uh, Lent and uh, Easter, the relationship between Judaism and Christianity was focused on a lot because Christ's crucifixion uh, was, in, in many ways, it was uh, perpetrated and was performed upon him uh, by his own co-religionists, uh, the Jewish people. And uh, we see this, actually, in our readings today. We see it in the first reading as well. Uh, it's a passage from Genesis, a famous story of Joseph, who is uh, betrayed by his brothers and he's sold into slavery and they're attempting, they're, they're contemplating his murder. And uh, it's this passage in Genesis is a prophetic foreshadowing of how Jesus' own people related to him. And uh, just as in the story of Joseph, his brothers repent and they finally recognize him, so also the New Testament teaches and the church has always taught that eventually the Jewish nation will recognize Jesus as their Messiah. It probably won't happen until very late in the game. It hasn't happened yet. It probably won't happen until uh, just before the second coming, but they will, they will do so. And we see this issue or this question of the relationship between Judaism and Christianity as well in our gospel text today. Jesus is saying to them that the authority of the kingdom of God is going to be taken from the Jewish nation and given to, uh, it's, it's going to be given to the church, to the Christian church. But it's very interesting if we know, and this is basically what I'm going to focus on in my homily, if we note the word that is used, he says, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. A people. A people. In the Greek, it's ethnos, which means a people or a nation. The Christian church, headed by the apostles, and then subsequently in history, their successors, the bishops, is a nation. It is a nation. And it is a, a, a cohesive people group, a visible society in the earth. In the ancient church, in fact, uh, the Christians were referred to as the third race. So people understood. They looked out and they saw polytheists or pagans. That was one race. Then they saw the Jews. The Jews were very had a very cohesive identity. They were the second race. And then there was this new race that sprung up out of the blue, the race of the Christians. And they actually used the word race. Uh, of course, the Christian churches consists of many different bloods and ethnicities, but together they form a visible society that's so cohesive and so identifiable that it can be called, as it were, a race in and of itself, a people group, a nation. And uh, so for us today, as, as Catholic Christians, uh, we would do well to ask ourselves, what is our first identity. What people group do we 
identify with and regard ourselves as loyal to, first and foremost, be anything, before anything else, do we, and I've preached on this before and I don't, I don't mind doing it again, I think it bears repeating, do we first and foremost regard ourselves as Americans and then Catholics? Do we first and foremost regard ourselves as the member of the cheerleading squad or a member of this particular club or whatever it might be? And then we're Catholics. Okay? We are Catholics first and foremost. Our loyalty is to the church first and foremost. Where do we get our thought processes? Where do we get our values? Do we spend more time absorbing the thought processes of your average American through watching television than we do reading the Bible or reading a catechism. Where do we get our sense of identity? This is the question that we have, and it's a challenge for all of us. Uh, and I think sometimes people are consciously first Americans before they're Catholics, but I think also sometimes people are unconsciously and unwittingly first Americans before uh, they are Catholics. Um, I think of here's a, a very practical consideration. Marriage laws. The church, uh, you know, marriage in the family is the basic building block of any given visible society. And if our first visible society is the church, our understanding of marriage and our family has to be, we have to see ourselves and our marriages and our families as a building block, first and foremost, of the Catholic Church, and then secondly, of the United States of America or New York State or what have you. And the uh, the church has authority in the area of marriage, and that authority takes precedence over the authority of New York State. Simple. It does. And so a Catholic cannot run off to the justice of the peace and just marry and bypass and circumvent the authority of the church. His or her loyalty is to the church first and foremost. And if there's questions of separation, of, of divorce, uh, these sorts of things you, you need to go, the, the Catholic needs to go first and foremost to the authorities of the church and be at least in dialogue with them, talking about this uh, with them. They can't just run off and just do what they're going to do and think that the laws of New York State are more important than the laws of the church. So that's just one very practical, simple everyday example of how the church uh, is the Catholic's first society uh, and then and then um, the United States of America.